This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hello, Hardwood Knox listeners. This is Adam Frommel here with my co-host, Dan Favalli, and we have a special Thanksgiving edition for you this week. Uh, we're, we're going to attempt to keep this somewhat short, which is usually uh, quite the challenge for us, but we're going to be going through uh, all 30 NBA franchises and, and alternating and just giving one thing that we think fans of that franchise should be thankful for at this point in the NBA calendar. It can be a player on the roster. It can be their goals for the upcoming season. It can be something in their history. Anything goes. But with that said, we also want to hear from you. So if you could, when we're promoting this on Twitter uh, or wherever you see it, uh, just give us a shout and let us know what you're thankful for with regards to the franchise for which you cheer. Uh, Before we dive in, a shout out to our sponsors, betonline.ag and indeed you'll be hearing from them shortly and dan how's it going today i'm doing well feeling a lot better since we last recorded i've listened back to most of our podcasts to see specifically where i can improve or like you know whatever and it, i sounded just absolutely awful sniffling the entire time so you were a little nasally were, I'll, I'll give you that i'm perpetually nasally my voice is nasally but that was bad even by my standard so i feel a lot better um i'm ready to crush some thanksgiving food uh, with only my wife and the her two parentals whom live on the premises with us. So that's that's all we're doing. I hope everyone is doing the same and staying safe and not mass traveling or having mass gatherings. But I'm ready to crush some um, turkey day food. And how about you? How are you doing? I'm good as well. Yeah, we're, we're doing a virtual Thanksgiving. So we'll uh, just hop on like a, a Google Hangout or something with uh, with my family and then with my wife's family and then probably with my brother as well and just uh, use the day to, to say hi to the people we aren't getting to see in person. I'm not going to lie. I would never do that. Like my idea after finding out that I was off, I was originally scheduled to work and now I'm off. So I'm thankful for that. Uh, I would have loved to have just been me and Ang, as you like to call her. Uh, that's the only thing I can call her. I would that's, that's her name. I would have liked to have ordered Chinese food and seen absolutely no one. That would have been my idea of Thanksgiving. But I love I love food, so we press on. I'll be eating many many cheesecakes after we record this. Twenty twenty has like broken my introvertness because typically like I'm I'm the kind of person who like I can be totally fine in social situations, but it just wipes me out and just leaves me kind of exhausted the rest of the day. So I don't always crave those interactions. I, I am craving those interactions. Like I'm, I'm tired of not seeing people. I, I would very much like to get to a point where we can see people again. I, I'm totally with you. I just 
like I'm not a big like Zoom person. Like I'd rather do it in person, which I will not do, just to make that, that clear. And so like if I'm on a Zoom call with friends, which I've done during this, um, and I've done a few game nights, and like many of them have been fun, but there's like some of the other times I feel like I should be doing something else more productive, which is probably more of an issue with myself. But uh, I to- I, I'm craving. I haven't seen like my friends in person in it feels like forever yeah. at this point. Yeah. Yep. Are you ready to go through what we're thankful for? Every team, and as you said, the fact that this is going to be brief, and we're talking like 30 minutes or less, let's call it, like that's going to have to be an achievement, but I'm ready to rock, and I'm ready to roll. How about you? I'm ready to sign off two hours from now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're starting us off, though. We're alternating, like you said. Yeah, I'm going I'm to start off with the Atlanta Hawks, and you know, I, I, was, I was debating here, like, do I go with the ridiculous depth of this new look lineup now that they've signed Bogdan Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari, Chris Dunn, Rajon Rondo. They still have DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish and John Collins. They drafted Onyeka Kongwu. Um, but I, I think that the number one thing for the Hawks to be thankful for is still just Trey Young. Like he, he is just such a joy to watch the ridiculous passing creativity, the 30 plus foot three pointers, just the way that he controls that offense and just injects excitement excitement into the lineup whenever he's on the court like he as good as this team could potentially be he's still the unquestioned star and i think he's the the top thing to be thankful for yeah without a question um trey young's not a good passer though don't you remember that i can't even remember who said it at this point but that was floating around at the beginning of the year do you remember the season this season i i don't at all I, we definitely made fun of it on the podcast. Maybe you weren't an official co-host at that point, but I definitely trolled it on the podcast. Trey Young is, in fact, a good passer, though, so I support that. So for Boston, and look, I'm going to go super quick because sometimes I have two of these um, just because I couldn't choose. For Boston, I had Jason Tatum escape dribble threes, which is just, that's probably the most important shot in basketball right now, and he's really ridiculously good at it. But I also have Marcus Smart heat checks, which are basically every single shot that he takes. And I think people kind of slept on the fact that I, I know it declined in the postseason, but he shot over 40% on pull-up triples this past year. Like, that's a really big freaking deal. And I also like watching Marcus Smart on defense. I know we can get caught up in the minutia of, of defense, but um, he's actually someone that I really enjoy watching work his butt off on that end of the floor. I'm looking forward to reaching a point where people just aren't surprised when Marcus Smart makes jumpers because he's made a bunch of them for a little while now. But with the Brooklyn Nets, it's the medical advancements that have helped Kevin Durant reportedly re- return to form in workouts. You know, in, in the past, Achilles injuries have been so devastating to players' careers. Uh, there, there are very few examples of players returning to anything close to the form they were at before the injury. And we won't know anything until he's actually playing games. But from what we're hearing from players and, and reporters around him, like he looks really good. And uh, you know, as a slight corollary, the medical advancements that will inevitably help with future Kyrie Irving injuries. <laughs> uh, I'm interested to see what he looks like coming off Achilles because I was listening to the Light Years podcast. They were talking about Clay Thompson's Achilles injury. They had on a doctor, and he said typically it's going to take you two years if you're going to recapture your full form. Durant feels like he could be different just because he shoots over the top of everyone and might not need to move a bunch. But I can't wait to see what he looks like uh, post-recovery. I have the Charlotte Hornets next, and believe it or not, I am not thankful for Michael Jordan's willingness to overpay people um, every few years. Uh, I have a mellow ball's passing because that seemed like something that kind of flew on, not under the radar, but was being... I don't even want to say overlooked, but we, we talked more about his inefficiency and his general shot selection um, leading into the draft. I feel like collectively, not necessarily this podcast since we don't cover the draft, but he's going to be a really good passer, I think. 
Um, there's going to be growing pains, but I'm hoping that the Hayward signing doesn't portend him having the ball too much less because I want them to let him experiment. And I feel like he's someone more so than Hayward was ever going to do. will eventually put fans in seats. And I'll also say just any off the dribble juice lineups featuring he and Devonte Graham. Like, I don't know how often they're going to lean on those, but because LaMelo ball is so big, like I hope that's a backcourt pairing. We get to see a bunch of. It seems like Devonte Graham, Terry Rozier and LaMelo ball could like kind of do what Dennis Schroeder, uh, Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis Alexander did for the Oklahoma city thunder last year with those three guard lineups, like not as good, but similar skill sets meshing together. So I, I'm excited to see them try that. Uh, with the Chicago Bulls, uh, I've got nothing on the current iteration of this team. Like, sure, you can get excited about Zach Levine's dunks and Patrick Williams's potential after they reached for him at number four in the draft. So I'm going to go with memories of Michael Jordan because those are everlasting and we will never get sick of them. So when you're feeling depressed about the Chicago Bulls in 2020, 2021, just go on YouTube and watch highlights of Michael Jordan and you'll be grateful. I would have, I'm definitely thankful they took Patrick Williams at number four, just validating my love for him. I'm also thankful for the prospect of maybe Wendell Carter Jr. looking at the rim this season. Those might have all been uh, when he catches the ball. I mean, uh, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. Look, I'm going to be mega thankful. I don't know if the roster is going to hold long enough for us to see it, but if, if these players are all on the team on opening night and thereafter, I'm excited to see the all-big lineup of Kevin Love, Larry Nance, Andre Drummond, and Javal McGee. You know they're going to roll that out once, but you know that three of them are going to play. Um, together because they tried it last year with Love, Drummond, and and Nance. And so if they do that again, and maybe if um, Isaac Okoro's involved in there, uh, that's something that I would just love to see for the sheer novelty of it. Uh, I don't know if it would be good. The three big lineups did kind of well last year, but I want to see more of it. So I'm hoping that, and I'm looking at Kevin Love is just in town long enough. Maybe even Larry Nance feels like he could be a popular trade target that everyone's in town for us to see see more of that. And I'd love to see more of Kevin Porter Jr., who, one, thankful for his hair, and two, he puts a lot more pressure on defenses in the half court than I think people realize. It's funny you said that about Kevin Porter Jr.'s hair because I was going to say the same about uh, Colin Sexton's hair. The they Cavs have, have just, they have a great hair lineup. Um, I was going to look, spoiler alert, I can't be, I'll save it. Let's just keep going. Just keep going. Fair <laughs> so the Dallas Mavericks, I think it's obvious here. It's just, it's Luka Doncic. You know, the youngest ever top five finisher in MVP voting. Uh, he's he's only going to keep getting better. He uh, he by himself makes this roster a, a playoff contender in the West throughout the foreseeable future with title aspirations. He is an absolute joy to watch the way he plays, the way he commands the offense. Just it's Luka Doncic. There, there are no qualifiers necessary. Yeah, I don't know what else you could go with at this point. Maybe eventually you'll be thankful for uh, Josh Richardson's defense on that team. Just feels like such I guess, a or like that they're changing their alternate uniforms away from the monstrosities to the white and gold ones this year. Uh, the white and gold ones are ugly as hell, and the other ones that were cartoonish were awesome. That is my hot take. The best jerseys they've had are like the black and blue ones. I think if you remember, all black with the um, the blue um, lettering. I do like those ones. Yeah, so well, at least we found common ground on that. Uh, I have the Denver Nuggets, and this one seems fairly obvious to me, too. I think you could go with Jamal Murray, Detonations, um, but I'm going with Nikola Jokic water polo passes. And you could just say Nikola Jokic passes in general. There are, I would say, like one to two times a game, even if they don't end it in assist, there's a pass that he still throws where I'm like, oh. And you know, maybe not every game because I'm not watching every Nuggets game, obviously, given the nature of how we cover the league. But the fact that he can still continue to shock me like that is just um, just absolutely mind-melting. I'm definitely not thankful for uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s anti-vax stances, though. That I can confirm, if anyone's wondering. 
I think the water polo passes are the objectively correct answer. Or the outlet passes you... too. Like those things are yeah, like, as... that, that's the one I spent grappling over. I didn't know whether to go with polo or outlet and the water polo ones are just when they're in the half court, like they just look a little bit niftier, but the outlet passes are truly incredible as well. You could have just gone with Monte Morris in general too, and that would have worked. Look, they shouldn't have signed Camposo. Maybe, maybe I would have. Think about that. <laughs> I feel like we could end up being thankful for Facundo Camposo passes, just because there are going to be lots of highlights generated with that too. We need to have like the like the hockey assist potential on the Nuggets right now is absurd. Like if Jokic throws it to um, Camposo and then he like throws it to someone else, like that could be absolutely uh, mind blowing. So for the Detroit Pistons, it is the strength of the 2021 NBA draft. Look, they're going to be bad this year. We know they're going to be bad this year and big. They're also definitely going to be big. Um, but it's a great time to be bad because this 2021 draft is stacked at the top. It's deep. So even if they don't end up with the number one pick, there are plenty of options. And beyond that, they can't get more big men in this draft at the top of it because it's very garden wing heavy. So just expect to see... Uh, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuminga, uh, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Zaire Williams, just highlights of all the up-and-coming draft prospects in Detroit all season long. I look forward to seeing what the tanking slogans are going to be. Um, in their defense, they did get rid of two bigs in Tony Bradley and Dwayne Dedman, so they could probably use a couple more. So maybe maybe they'll make a reach or trade down so that they can acquire another big. I do agree with you. They're going to be bad this year. Uh, that leads me into the Indiana, Indiana, no, where am I? Oh, Golden, Golden State, State Warriors, excuse me. I mean, Stephen Curry's gravity, right? This is not, it's probably cliche to say at this point, but when you watch him dribble up the court and there are like three, all five sets of eyes, like if they're back are just on him and there are like three defenders at minimum, just gravitating heavily towards him. And I, I'm very sad about the Clay Thompson injury, but I want to see Stephen Curry stay healthy this year because I do think his supporting cast is still suboptimal when you look at the fit around him, like Oubre and Green and Wiggins are not the best shooters to this point. And we know Wiseman doesn't really have that kind of range. I feel like we might really see him be able to levy the true extent of his impact on a roster that's this suboptimal without Clay because those, I think at least a few of those guys are going to end up shooting way better than they would from the outside because of him or just the sheer number of bunnies they're going to get at the rim because of his gravity. And so here's hope he doesn't break his hand or, or anything like that. And look, the Warriors, they had their dynastic runs. Like you don't need to feel sorry for them, but I, I've had enough injuries, um, major injuries from Warriors, Warriors players to last me the last half decade or so. Look, Steph has to be the choice because he only played five games last season. Like, of course, we're thankful that we get to watch him again. I, I personally, when I'm picking something about Steph Curry, it might be his off-ball movement at this point. Like, he is just, he is such a joy to watch. If you if you watch a Warriors game and don't focus on the ball, but just watch Steph move the entire possession in the half court, just in constant motion, trying to find those open crevices where he can use that quick release. And it's, it's really entertaining and informative just if you're trying to figure out like how to play off the ball how feasible is it for him to play extensively off the ball this season because who do you trust to handle it aside from draymond green on this team like i mean brad watermaker is fine oh who'd you say james harden eventually Uh, that's fair you've been you've been pushing for that one i'm thankful for the prospective uh james harden (laughs) warriors trade 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Well, Indeed is here to help. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. 
You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of, of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Speaking of James Harden, uh, the Houston Rockets, uh, I, I think... It's either the three scoring titles that Harden has won in the last three years, just because if you're a Rockets fan, it's been a blast to to see him rack up those points and kind of frustrate fans of other teams with his unconventional playing style, for lack of a better word. I think the other choice here is the chance to watch Christian Wood develop and see if that small sample of stardom is going to be realized um, in a bigger role over a larger sample uh, now that he has signed a three-year deal with with the Rockets. So I'm, I'm good with either one of those, and I, I couldn't really decide between them. I agree with everything you said there. I think the Rockets are kind of like, that's a given. Uh, I have the Indiana Pacers next. I'm thankful that they seem to be playing some sort of holiday family bingo, and they really only have Drew left, and then they'll be fine. Um, I wanted to be thankful for the way that, and I, I still kind of am, if you just put a wing there, like a, and maybe not a star wing, but just like someone who's like, close to replacement level, they all of a sudden just become so much better on defense in Indiana. You look at Boyan Bogdanovich, um, even Justin Holiday. you look at what TJ Warren's done. I don't know how um, plausible it is to still be thankful for that after Dan Burke, uh, the assistant coach credited with doing a lot of that work, left for the Sixers. Um, so I will just say, this one might be the biggest cliche of all, but it, Indiana's sort of ability to navigate every single injury or absence over the past like two-ish years where they're still... Um, no, they're not a flashy playoff team. They're not even a threatening playoff team. But like when Victor Oladipo has basically missed, you know, let's say a season and a half, um, they're still able to be competitive. Malcolm Brogdon was banged up a ton last year with all these different injuries. They were able to navigate that. They lose Jeremy Lamb. Uh, so they've, they've had like some underachieving from Miles Turner on offense, though I'm hoping he gets a bigger opportunity under Nate Bjorkren. And that might be the other thing. This was the team that was hardest for me to pick. Um, Miles Turner's defensive movement. Like I all of a sudden feel like, uh, he's viewed as like this net negative asset because he has, was it three years and 54 million about left on his deal? Um, we both said this and I think, or at least I said, and I think you agree with me, the Celtics, if they had the opportunity to get Miles Turner in a sign and trade for Gordon Hayward and did not short of the Pacers asking them to take back Jeremy Lamb in that deal, uh, there was no reason for them to say no, just because I think Miles Turner is really good and, and we're kind of forgetting about that. So that's where I'm at on the Pacers. I like it. I, uh, I I don't I don't really have anything to add there because I think you you definitely covered the highlights um, with the Clippers the Los Angeles Clippers you know I I think the the player empowerment era that we're in is a great thing I'm all for empowering the players as much as possible it also leads to shorter title windows because if something doesn't work we're seeing a lot of players move on so after the Clippers blew a three one lead to the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs I think they should be most thankful that they're getting another chance to run this back with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George leading the charge. They've reloaded a little bit um, by bringing in Luke Kennard, by bringing in Serge Ibaka. This is still a really deep and talented roster that should have title aspirations and is very realistically a championship contender. And that shouldn't be taken for granted because this could have gone sideways really fast after such an ugly exit from the playoffs. So just getting that, that second chance with Kawhi and Paul George before they have the ability to opt out for free agency. 
that's definitely a reason for them to be thankful for it. I the one thing I'll note on this team that's going to be interesting. I think they end up missing Jamichael Green more than be, is being talked about. Maybe they didn't go to him at the five enough last year, which is to say at all. Um, for them to appreciate what he kind of brought there. But I do think that that's kind of an underrated storyline because Ibaka is more of a limited big man uh, defensively now. That leaves me with the Lakers. This one, I guess it could be difficult because there's so much that you could go with. Um, you know, Anthony Davis's defense, um, Alex Caruso's highlights and ability to go viral on social media. And then there's LeBron in general. I wanted to zero in a little bit. LeBron's passing to the corners is just absolute sorcery still. Um, continues to be among the league leaders every single season in um, points generated off assists um, from three-pointers, and then just the looks that he's able to create uh, in the corners, like just so wide open for his teammates. He has helped so many guys get paid, and no, that wasn't necessarily KCP's function, so you're looking at his deal. That's not um, necessarily that, but so many lineups work just because he is still such a pull when he's going downhill. still one of the most terrifying things in the NBA, and when you factor that in with his vision, um, just like you know, some of the angles he's throwing these passes to the corners are just absolutely absurd. And he's about to turn 36, by the way. I think it's lost. It was lost on me because the season is starting, like, so quickly, but also so late. He's about to turn 36. So true story here. You know, when when I'm hanging out with my almost two-year-old in the backyard, we have a a, a big garage offset from the house. uh, And there's, like, a brick portion of it that I like to just throw passes against because it rebounds right back to me. So I was trying to imitate LeBron James's corner passes the other day and, you know, like, not really look where I was going. I definitely broke a window in the garage. Just, like, the passes that he makes, I have no business trying. So, yes, I, I totally agree that we should be grateful for the ability to continue watching those as he defies father time. On the opposite end of the age spectrum with the the Memphis Grizzlies, it's just John Morant everything. Like, the, the command that he already has over an offense, his changes of pace, his ability to take off earlier than defenders expect and just hang in the air for that split second longer. Like, he, there, there are so many parts of his game that remind me of just vintage Dwayne Wade and just getting a chance to continue watching him grow and praying that he stays healthy because some of the falls that he takes are so awkward. So just John Morant, everything. He needs to work on the landings though. Like we could, he does. I'm hoping someone's talked about that for Miami. um, I have Jimmy Butler's uh, ego. And I mean that in a really good way where he talks about like how much he works, where uh, do you remember the story in the bubble? He apparently had like, uh, you know, the hotel like called because they heard noises from his room, like, and it was too loud. It was because he was working out. He's the type of guy who would have called um, the hotel front desk himself and said, I hear these noises coming from Jimmy Butler's room. He's working out too loudly. I actually legitimately love that. And then something just a little bit more granular and, and serious. Bam Adebayo's warp speed footwork uh, on defense is amazing to me. And that's another player that I enjoy watching on that side of the floor. I think we could throw in Jimmy Butler's coffee business, too. I don't know. He's not paying his nephew or who was ever in that video, friend of the family that was making coffee for him. So um, I have some questions and I'd like to maybe talk to the Better Business Bureau to see if things have changed there at all. We need a deep dive on on the coffee habits. Yeah, we do. Uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks, it's the acquisition of Drew Holiday. Uh, just what a perfect fit alongside Chris Middleton and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And everything is about getting him to sign that Supermax now or retaining him in free agency next year. So if you're a Bucks fan, like as disappointed as you're going to be about the the Bogdan Bogdanovich disaster and the and you know disappointment in, in Giannis not already putting pen to paper on that supermax, just the fact that the front office went out and acquired such a perfect fit and another star caliber player for a team that has struggled to get over the postseason hump is 100 percent something to be immensely grateful for. 
Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting when they have to see Bogdanovich in a Hawks jersey three times this year. Who knows however many with the 72 game schedule. Uh, you can also just be thankful for maybe Giannis eventually signing the Supermax. It still feels like that's an imminent possibility. For Minnesota, I have Carl Anthony Towns' offensive bag. It's like watching this dude on offense, it's like someone took DeMarcus Cousins and Al Horford, um, put them together, made him faster and a better shooter. And like that's the best way I could describe it, which basically means like someone didn't put Boogie and Al Horford together. But uh, his ability, the way he's like so light on his feet when he puts the ball on the floor, the work he could do in the post, and then just his three-point volume and efficiency is is crazy to me. I think a lot of people are, you know, talking about, well, how is it going to work? The offense now, like D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio, they both need the ball in their hands, even Anthony Edwards and, and Jared Culver to some extent. Uh, you don't want to see touches being taken away from Towns, like from scratch touches, but he is such that he fits alongside literally everyone and anyone. And that's just something to appreciate. Also, because he's back, Ricky Rubio's huggable demeanor. Just seems like a super likable guy. And now he's just running the gamut of having to play in, in all these uh, on these different teams, and at least he's going back to Minnesota, so that's where he's familiar with. But he hasn't been able to, like, I guess Phoenix is probably objectively the best market he's he's played in for his career. What is it, Minnesota and Phoenix, and who am I missing now? Is that it? Is it only Minnesota and Phoenix? No. I think so. No, I'm forgetting one. Where was he traded? Why are we blanking on this? Well, he was traded to the Thunder very briefly. No, but he played somewhere else. Did he not? Oh, wait, no. Oh, no, you're right. It was just Minnesota and Phoenix. Oh, Utah. Two. Wow. Two seasons in oh, yeah, Utah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've already replaced all memories of Ricky Rubio with, with Mike Conley, apparently. Wow, that was bad. That was that was a brain fart because that was recent. But I'm thankful for Ricky Rubio's huggable demeanor. As you should be. You know, I, I think with Towns, it's funny. I, I think back to the, the one-on-one all-time tournament that we did at NBA Math. And I remember, like, so Carl Anthony Towns in the 6'11 region, he beat Bill Walton in the fan vote. And people were pissed about that. Because, you know, Bill Walton is a Hall of Famer, a, a champion, um, an MVP candidate, um, and and Towns is still so young and up and coming in his career, all things considered. But, like, yeah, Towns is going to win a one-on-one matchup. Like, as you said, like, the offensive bag is just almost unprecedented at the position. The, the three-level scoring, the off-the-bounce juice, like, everything that he does is just unbelievable and underappreciated because the Timberwolves haven't been able to win around him. And I think the other thing that definitely flew under the radar this season, and it comes with the grain of salt of his playing only 35 games, but he averaged 4.4 assists per game this year. He's so just like, really he's so good in general. I like that. Best summation. Carl Anthony yeah. Downs, really good. Let's move on. New Orleans Pelicans. You know, I, I think you can go with Lonzo Ball's brilliant passing with J.J. Reddick's ability to make the playoffs every year, except this last one with Brandon Ingram coming back um, as a restricted free agent with Steven Adams is just general awesomeness in interviews and postgame pressers. But come on, it's Zion Williamson and, and the thunderous dunks. Like right now, like he's one of the absolute marquee players in the NBA, even though he only played a handful of games as a rookie. He's on the cover of NBA 2K. You know, he is... He is the face of the franchise, even if he might not yet be its best player. And every time he's on the court, something special could happen. And also, the front court of he and Stephen Adams, Stephen Adams, definitely the only one in the NBA, perhaps in NBA history, on whose arms you could do pull-ups for both of the players that power forward and centers throwing it out there. I have the New York Knicks, and I think one Mitchell Robinson empty gym videos are the best because they they. I don't want to say swindle fans into thinking, but they get fans thinking that, hey, maybe he's going to start putting the ball on the floor shooting threes. I'm actually thankful for, I call it, Frank Nilakina's pick and troll defense because he's so good. It's almost like he's doing it in spite of the Knicks because they don't give him enough playing time. And the Knicks have just been so poor at defending the pick and roll in general for so many years, for the most part. 
just watching him making reads there and uh, being just semi-disruptive in all of his three seasons, by the way, he has ranked in the 65th percentile or higher of points allowed per possession to the pick and roll ball handler. Uh, that's pretty damn good. And one of those seasons, he was in the 91st percentile as well. Just throwing it out there. Speaking of Mitchell Robinson, I'm, I'm just thankful for every minute that he gets to play without a foul being called on him because he's so much fun on defense and just so impactful. And if he can ever get control of the fouling issues, then there's a breakout coming imminently. I made the joke that between him and Nerlens Noel, the Knicks probably have like 36 minutes of, of center play now if you go by six fouls per player. <laughs> so that was pretty generous of you, I think. <laughs> With the Thunder, you know, we've I, I personally have decried the existence of the Stepien rule in past episodes, um, but I'm going to go kind of the opposite tack here and say that the Thunder should be thankful for the lack of limitations on how many first round draft picks you can acquire at one time because they have approximately 800 in the next decade. And the beauty of it is that it's not all stacked in one specific draft. So it's not like the Thunder are going to be on the clock 10 times in the first round of any specific draft and have too many rookies to bring in at once. They're all spaced out. So they have like three or four picks or pick swaps forever, just roughly forever. forever. <laughs> so <laughs> they're eventually going to be consolidated because that's just too many young players. When the next disgruntled star is available, like you can be sure that the Thunder are at least going to be in that conversation. But yeah, just the lack of limitations on what Sam Presti can do as a pick hoarder is great. Are they going to be the first team to acquire a first-round pick? You know, actually obligated, not one that could stretch out. Are they going to be the first team to acquire a first-round pick from the 2028 draft or later? They're going to be the first team to acquire one from the 3000s. (laughs) The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager on than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division odds, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, bringing us onto the Orlando Magic, I think this is tongue in cheek, but I respect and I guess I'm thankful for their commitment to just signing and drafting long players who can't shoot. It's just like it's been even predates this front office, I think. But I'm actually thankful for them giving Markel Fultz's resurgence a home. Uh, I'm definitely not as high on him as the organization seems to be. I had no problem with them picking up his team option, though. If they extended him for like a significant amount of money, that's where I think the um the the division would come in. But he's become really good. He could be disruptive on defense for what it's worth. I don't know what's going to become of his jumper, but he shot 50% from mid-range after the All-Star break last year. Um, not an insignificant sample size either. And he was taking 3.2 of those attempts per game. And for someone who has the ball in his hand so much and is creating those looks, those shots are actually okay. It's not like you're asking him to spot up from mid-range. So uh, I think we should all definitely be thankful that he's actually going to seem it seems like he's going to carve out an actual semi-impactful NBA career. And look, he's probably young enough to where maybe he can even build upon that and perhaps I'm underselling him. Maybe a shout out to Chuma Okeke as well. 
just the fact that he has recovered from that torn ACL, that he's going to make his delayed debut and could be an intriguing 3 and D guy for a franchise that, that needs that kind of production. Who breaks the mold of the, the long players who can't shoot. I actually don't know exactly. how long he is, I forget. But the fact that he could shoot um, sort of removes him from this discussion entirely. Yeah. So with the Philadelphia 76ers, it's just it's having access to Daryl Morey. I mean, what a <laughs> tremendous impact he has already made on that franchise in just a few weeks. Now, we, we've gone from wondering whether they were going to split up the Ben Simmons-Joel Embiid pairing to finally putting the right kind of pieces around them. They got rid of the Al Horford contract. They brought in Seth Curry and Danny Green and Dwight Howard to provide capable backup five minutes. Uh, Mike Scott is back. Isaiah Joe was an interesting draft pick, as was Tyreek's Maxey. Uh, this, this is just – it's a compelling and cohesive roster around two absolute stars – and it is a, a, a testament to Maury that he was able to do that in sh- in such short order. I I think that's totally. I mean, look, he's completely like I. It's not a perfect roster now, but it's one that makes sense uh, a lot more sense at least around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. So I think that's absolutely a valid one. You can also go with Ben, uh, ben Simmons' passing or Joel Embiid's Twitter was the ones that I had jotted down for the, some of the teams that I wasn't in charge of. Phoenix. I have Devin Booker's passing. We've already talked about that on this pod, but while it's not complicated or flashy, he's creating shots that would otherwise not be there for his teammates. I'm so interested interested to see him play beside Chris Paul. I'm also very thankful for Mikael Bridges' arms. Uh, and the other thing, I'm just very happy. And people, when I put this on Twitter, they wanted to throw Mikael Bridges into this as well. But I love that we have Javon Carter, Jay Crowder, and CP3 on the same team just from the sheer facial expressions that we'll probably get from all of them after big plays. Um, so many things to be thankful for with the Phoenix Suns. Javon Carter's defensive intensity. He has been a huge, huge favorite of mine dating back to his college days at West Virginia. Would you like my semi-hot take? Always. The Hawks I would, would prefer have, you to remove the semi, though. The, okay, the nature of um, him being an early bird restricted free agent, this is Javon Carter, would limit the amount that Atlanta could have offered him. I would rather him um, be in Atlanta than both Rondo and Chris Dunn. Doesn't bring as much ball handling as probably either, but I think he's just the best of both worlds and someone more you can depend on for shooting. And I don't necessarily think you needed the ball handling as much with Bogdan Bogdanovich and Gallo, who, by the way, according to Travis Slank, is coming off the bench in Atlanta. So just my two That's the right decision. It probably is, but um, it just further proves my decision that Javon Carter would have been a better fit than Rondo and Dunn there combined. I get that take, but I'm really high on the Dunn fit, so I will disagree, (laughs) but just only slightly. And that's funny because if you were going to have to choose one of them, you probably would still rather have Rondo there with Javon Carter just for the ball handling um, since Carter's going to replace a lot of what Dunn does on defense with with better shooting. But uh, I'm interested to see how Dunn's fit is there. And I think it's fine that you're higher, obviously, on that than I am. So with the Portland Trailblazers, you know, I, I think it would be easy to highlight just the off the offseason improvements they've made, um, bringing, in, bringing back Ennis Cantor, Harry Giles III, uh, re-signing Carmelo Anthony, bringing in Derek Jones Jr., this is a, a really deep and good roster, but for me, it's just it's Damian Lillard. Just I think he's my favorite player to watch in the NBA right now, just because of the mastery that he has and the improvements that he makes year after year. He's just this devastatingly explosive offensive weapon, and when he is on fire, as he was during the bubble portion of the season and and really before the league shut down as well, I just I don't think there's anyone who's more fun to watch, and I'm, I'm very jealous of the Rip City fans who who get to support him on a game-by-game basis. Uh, yeah, that's the easy one. I I would run through a wall for Damian Lillard. 
So I think I have <laughs> for the Sacramento Kings. This is the one I almost spoiled before. I'm thankful hair grows back because I'm hoping that De'Aaron Fox grows his out again. My, I'm actually thankful for De'Aaron Fox, though. He is uh, the vessel through which they run their offense. I think I had him as a top 25 player coming into this year. He never got there. Uh, he was dealing with, I think it was an ankle injury that that certainly hampered him. He's just so fast. Um, only five players averaged more drives per game last season. And after the turn of the calendar, he averaged 23 points, seven, basically seven assists while hitting 54.2% of his twos. I liken him to like, I don't know if he's as strong as John Wall. He's definitely as quick, and it seems like he's going to have better touch. And I, I think, um, you know, we're talking about he's going into year four, so we'll see. So I'm super thankful to watch him. And look, can we also just be thankful for the Kings giving us this steady stream of drama, even more so than like the Knicks? You don't have players um, on the Knicks like Buddy Heald liking a tweet about a joke about him being sad to still be in Sacramento from a brand account that might or might not be the the parent uh, account of this podcast. But anyway, I think we're on to the Spurs now. As an Atlanta Hawks fan, I'm just I'm thankful for the Kings in general right now. <laughs> just their existence. <laughs> Look, I we shouldn't get too far to the weeds with this. I think they should have matched, but I do think at least um, it shows that the front office isn't trying to chase a 10 seed and they're playing a longer, larger game. However, if that was the case, like you needed to move him um, before that, and I would have matched it and then figured out the, the rest later. Like I still think four years and 72 for him is probably movable. He's older. He's 28, so he's older than people think. But I still think that contract would have been dealable. Just like I think people talking about how Buddy Heald isn't movable, that's a farce. Like Buddy Heald is absolutely movable. I'm with you. The San Antonio Spurs, uh, I they, they've been so good at, at straddling the line recently between being competitive and developing prospects. Like we saw that in the bubble uh, at the end of this past season where they were clearly focusing on player development and still winning games enough that there was a chance they were going to sneak into that play-in game. So I'm thankful that after this coming season, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldrich, Rudy Gay, and Patty Mills will all have contracts that have expired and give the Spurs the financial flexibility to just turn the page and move on to the next era. Let's see if they do it. I would like to shout us out. Um, we basically got through up to the Spurs in 30 minutes, minus our like four minutes of bantering at the beginning. So we are a little bit over, but kudos to us for blowing through this. And in the in that same vein, Toronto, I have two things. The easy one, and I think the important one, is Kyle Lowry. If, you, if I made a list of NBA players that I would be prepared to follow to hell and back, and then back to hell again... Kyle Lowry would probably be at the top. Damian Lillard would also certainly be on that list. He's just an absolute joy. And the things he does on the court kind of like mirror that feeling where he's going to set screens as a guard. I know people or specifically fans of other teams don't like his gimmicks on defense, um, you know, taking those charges, but they certainly work. And uh, look, I have to shout him out. I think once a podcast we're contractually obligated to Chris Boucher, he's going to have a bigger role this season. And I would just like to point out, here's every single NBA player who in the one of his first three seasons, at least, logged at least 100 minutes and then proceeded to average 2.5 blocks and 1.5 three-point makes or more per 36 minutes. Eddie Griffin, Mo Bamba, Chris Boucher, and Christoph Porzingis. I'm actually choosing to ignore basically every single other name on that list aside from Boucher and Christoph Porzingis. His ceiling is clearly that of Christoph Porzingis, probably higher because he's healthier. So let's just get that out of the way and move on. That seems fair. I'm also thankful for the... Uh... The perfectly legal screens that Aaron Baines and Kyle Lowry are going to set throughout the season. Kyle Lowry's are way more legal than uh, Aaron Baines's. He's just smaller and sometimes falls under people. That makes them look worse. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, with the Utah Jazz, I think it's it's that the Donovan Mitchell signed an extension already. 
you know, there there was so much drama surrounding him and Rudy Gobert uh, throughout the the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic and the NBA shutdown. And then we heard all the can they work together stories? Are they going to have to move one of them? But it seems like they're committed to, to keeping together a, a pairing that works really well on the court. And Donovan Mitchell is just an absolute joy to watch, uh, not just because of the explosion in this past year's playoffs, but just the way he plays in general and even more importantly, his presence off the court. He's already such a vital figure in that Salt Lake City community. He does so much community service work. He is a, a consistently supportive and endearing presence on social media. He is just a he, he seems uh, just like a great human, and he is really easy to work for, or to, to work for and to root for. Um, and Jazz fans get to continue doing that for the foreseeable future. And, uh, four years probably because he has a player option on year five. Uh, he Less was, thankful for that part. Uh, more thankful for it for if, him if you're because a jazz of the whole fan, player yeah. empowerment thing. Yeah, Washington. So I only have two for this one because you told me mine was too much of a deep cut, um, which I think was fair. So Bradley Beal is definitely what I'm thankful for because he's – so if you make a list of players that you've never actually met or had to cover in person and you could just tell that they're probably really good dudes, I feel like Bradley Beal's at the top of that list for me. And uh, – having covered a game or uh, that Damian Lillard was at, like I'm, I'm excluding those type of people from the list. Uh, the thing that got me was once where he said, he's talking about when his, um, I do not know if it's his wife, so I apologize, but his girlfriend or his wife, um, she was pregnant with a shot. And he was talking about all the terrible food he was eating because he wanted to eat it with her. And I was just like, I feel like that's so relatable. And also, while it's definitely a treat for him, um, sort of kind of nice, but just like sort of those anecdotes um, are why I love Bradley Beal. Also an offensive monster. I'm also thankful for Garrison Matthews' offensive confidence. I cannot believe he didn't get an NBA contract this year. I'm not trying, like, I, you know, make the joke that I'm, like, sort of harping on this Caucasian dude, but he, like, he takes ultra deep threes. They're quick, and he, he's like, he can draw contact and get to the foul line and work off the dribble. So I am hoping that he gets ample opportunity while being on a two way with Washington, but I was just very surprised that he didn't land an NBA contract over the offseason. I'm shocked that you aren't talking about how Thomas Bryant is unquestionably a top 50 player. I got to give him his credit, though. His three-point shooting last year, like that's going to be huge for Washington with Wall coming back, I would think. Another person who might be able to set him up for some really nice corner looks. That does Do you it for... believe we got through this in under two hours? Yeah, look, sub 40 minutes. is going to be a little bit longer once I edit this and put the ads in, but I'm proud of us. Um, I'll hopefully, I'll, hopefully I'll have time of. to go through this and get the timestamps for everything. We hope you enjoyed it. Everyone, please have a safe... And happy Thanksgiving. Um, good long weekend. We're hoping you're listening to this at all. We will catch you soon. As always, though, please, please, pretty please, with sugar and whatever else you like on top, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, even if you don't use iTunes, and definitely subscribe and download every episode where you are consuming your podcast. For Adam Fromell, I am Dan Favalli. Happy Thanksgiving, and shout out to the one, the only, future three-point contest champion, Garrison Matthews. Why not? Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.